Good morning, everybody. Good to see you today. God bless you. You can turn in your Bibles to the book of Colossians, the second chapter. And while you're turning there, since you and I met last, which was last Sunday morning, your pastor and his wife, Miss Kathy, celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary. And that's a milestone. And congratulations, uh, Pastor Bill and Miss Kathy. I heard about this. This old couple was sitting on the front porch, and they were just rocking back and forth. And he got to feeling a little romantic. And he said, Ma, I've always found you to be tried and true. About three minutes goes by, and she says, Yeah, Paul, and I'm tired of you too. This old couple, now this, this is not Bill and Kathy, of course. This old couple was driving down the road, and he's locked in on the road. He's driving, got his hat pulled down, and she's hugging the front door over there. And this couple goes by, and this gal is sitting right next to her, her husband or whatever, and you couldn't put a piece of paper between them. And uh, she said, Paul, what's happened to us? I remember when we used to sit like that. He just kept driving. He said, Ma, I ain't never moved. <laughs> you know, the moral of that story is if you're not as close to the Lord today as you used to be, he has not moved. Well, I did hear about this one young kid. He said, Grandpa, how come you and Granny have been married over 50 years and you all never argue? He said, well, when your granny and I first got married, we didn't have automobiles. We had to go on our honeymoon on a horse. So I'm on the horse. She's behind me. We're riding along, headed to where we're going to live, and the horse stumbled. And I said, that's once. We rode a little further, and that horse stumbled again. And I said, that's twice. We rode just about within sight of where we were going to be living, and that horse stumbled the third time. I said, whoa. I got down off the horse, I got your granddad in, I took my gun and I shot that horse dead. She said, what'd you do that for? He looked at her and said, that's once. <laughs> it is so good, I was totally unexpected to see the McGoverns here from Alaska in Anchorage. If you ever get a chance to go to Alaska, be sure to go to Anchorage. If you fly there, you'll probably fly there first. And you'd want to go to see the church that uh, he and his wife have the privilege of pastoring these many years. Uh, I, it's about all I can do to keep from telling you the story of the Doritos. You'll have to ask him that story of the Doritos sometime. And uh, it is one of my favorite missionary stories. Well, I, I, if, I, if I told it, I wouldn't tell it as good as he tells it, but it's stirred my heart. If you ever get a chance, you tell him that story of the Doritos. Have you found the book of Colossians yet? Well, I haven't. Let me find. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I have to. Uh, the book of Colossians was written by the Apostle Paul. He wrote it to the church at Colossae. He was not the founder of that church. Someone else was the founder. And in the opening verses of chapter 1, he's talking to the saints and the faithful brethren which are at Colossae. 
And uh, he said, since the time I've heard of you, I've been praying for you. And, you know, there are some people like that. You never uh, met them for a long time, and then when you did hear about them or you did meet them, there was a kindred spirit. And that's the way it is with the things of the Lord anyway, with God's people. And uh, you want to start praying for those kind of people. Now, the, the prayer that he prayed for those people in chapter 1 is not like the typical prayer meeting kind of request for prayer. Uh, you know, we pray that uh, the Lord would spare somebody. And, uh, you know, someone said, you know, Christians are they're an unusual bunch of people. They talk about heaven, and when somebody gets sick, they spend all their time praying them out of heaven. Now, don't get me wrong. You can put my name down and ask the Lord to help me as well, and uh, I'm sure you'd feel that way. But it is a little ironic that we are like that. Don't let them go to heaven now. I was in church one night when we were having our Tuesday nights of great preaching. So on Wednesday nights, I would go to church, and they were having their prayer meeting. And the pastor said something like this. Now, I want you to pray for Sister Susie. If the Lord doesn't intervene, she's going to heaven tonight. And I'm thinking, that just struck me funny. If the Lord doesn't intervene, she's going to heaven tonight. Uh, you know, the English language is a very interesting language. And uh, so Paul is praying for these people. And the kind of prayer that he's praying for them is that they would know the will of God, that they would grow in grace, the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that they would do what they ought to do as a Christian, uh, which is a good thing to pray for your spouse. It's a good thing to pray for your children. It's a good thing to pray for your family members and for fellow church members that they indeed. Uh, it's okay to pray that they would. Matter of fact, Second John, uh, the Bible says in verse 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. You know, it's okay to pray for people that they would be in health and prosper even as their soul prospers. But you ought to pray that they would do some other things too, that they would understand the will of God and, and have an understanding of, of God and the, the plan of God and the will of God and want to do the will of God. So he was praying for these people. And uh, he called them faithful brethren. Uh, it's like they were Marines, simplify. Uh, that expression came from a letter that a young man had written while he was in the theater over in one of the other countries and he wrote a letter and uh, he said, you know, we're, we're here not because we're in the Boy Scouts. We're here because we're in the Marines. And we knew what we signed up for when we signed up for it. And uh, he just was laying it out honestly. But he ended up in saying, he gave his name Simplify, always faithful. And uh, I would like to be a Simplify Christian, wouldn't you? Always faithful. And that we might hear from the Lord, well done, good and faithful servant. Uh, I don't know that we will all hear that. I don't know that I'll hear that, but I'd want to hear that. And so Paul is writing to these people. When he gets to chapter 2, uh, there's a passage in here that I'm going to read to you, just a few verses, that is so powerful and so encouraging and so interesting. Let's pick it up at verse 6. Colossians 2, verse 6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye, have been, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. May it please the great God of heaven that formed all things to stamp his divine approval in the reading, hearing, teaching, and later on when your pastor preaches the preaching of his word, 
And before I ask you to pray with me, let me give you three quick facts about the Lord. For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth to all generations. And would you pray with me, please? Lord, thank you for your grace and goodness for this passage of Scripture. Thank you, dear Lord, for these dear people who've come to the house of God for the Sunday school hour to study thy word. And may the word of God be quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, because it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Thank you, dear Lord, for the 50 years you gave Pastor Bill to Miss Kathy. Keep your hand upon them. Thank you for Pastor McGovern and his family, missionaries, and uh, up in Alaska. May you bless them. And the Lord, for the others that are here, have your way in every heart and every life. In Jesus' name, amen. Spoil. That's an interesting word, isn't it? Spoil has a couple of meanings. It carries the idea of something that maybe is souring or something that is rottening, or something that is rancid, something that is not fit for consumption. But it's not the only meaning of the word spoil. My life's verse is Psalm 119, 161, 162. Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in awe of thy word. I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. Not rejoicing because I found something that's rancid, not fit for consumption or sour, but a spoil was when an army engaged with another army. And uh, when the battle was over, usually the victor spoiled the goods of the defeated army. For example, in 2 Chronicles 14 and verse 15, and Asa and the people that were with him pursued them unto Gerar, and the Ethiopians were overthrown that they could not recover themselves, for they were destroyed before the Lord and before his hosts, and they carried away very much spoil. Now Paul is saying, I don't want you at Colossae, or those of us at Gospel, or Winkler Road, or in Anchorage, I don't want you to be taken away captive. I don't want you to be spoiled by some thought, some belief, some philosophy. Uh, and Paul, in this passage, he's not against philosophy. He's against the philosophy that leaves Jesus Christ out of it. And he is saying, I, I want you to be able to, to stay rooted and grounded. I want you to be able to abound with thanksgiving. I want you to uh, not be caught up with feigned deceit. I want you to be careful of traditions and rudiments of the world. I want you to understand that you are complete in Christ. So all of that begins here in verse 6. You start with Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. Notice that you received Christ Jesus the Lord. It's interesting, the word pictures of salvation in the Bible, sometimes it's like taking a drink of water. Sometimes it's like walking through a door. Sometimes it's believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Or it's like as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born, not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. He says, as ye have therefore received. 
On May the 7th, 1962, while serving in the United States Navy, I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And he changed my life. What a blessed day that was uh, when I trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I am forever grateful. And uh, because of that, I'm complete in Christ now. That's what this passage of Scripture said. You have received Christ Jesus the Lord. I remember when I was in the Navy, there was a, a Navy chief, and I was not an officer nor a chief. I was just a, a petty officer, and uh, that sort of says something, a petty officer. But, um, and they came in three classes, third class, second class, first class, and I was a third class, which is not as good as the first class. But I was only in for just a, a short while. And uh, we were talking one day, and he said, you know, these people talk about Christ Jesus. I, he was a Catholic guy. He said, I know enough that it's Jesus Christ. And so I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus. Is there a difference? Now, in the Bible, Peter, James, and John, they use the expression Jesus Christ. Paul, in his writings, he used the expression Christ Jesus. Well, Peter, James, and John, they first knew Jesus as Jesus. And uh, then they learned that he was the Christ. Jesus Christ. The apostle Paul met him. Uh, after Jesus had already given his life and been buried and raised again the third day, and he met him on the road to Damascus, and he knew him as Christ Jesus. Uh, Christ is, he is the Messiah, the anointed one. Jesus, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Christ Jesus, the Lord. He is the, the sovereign Lord. I was reading this morning in the Gospel of Luke chapter 24, and the first time in the Bible when they put the, especially in the Gospels, when they put together the expression, he, he was Jesus the Lord and so forth, but it said that they saw the Lord Jesus. In the opening verses of Luke 24, put together the Lord Jesus. That had not happened yet in, in the Gospels, but after he was raised from the dead, it was the Lord Jesus. You know, life starts with Jesus, and uh, you have to, you know, the Bible says the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. But when you think about this historical fact that the, the Son of Man is come, that was his favorite expression of himself. He was the Son of Man. He was the Son of God. He was God the, the Son. He was God in the flesh. And here the Bible is telling us, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. Your salvation experience starts with Christ Jesus, the Lord. And we need to get to know him. And the more you get to know him, the more you'll like him, and the more you'll appreciate the fact. You know, if you look at you, you'll get discouraged. You look at me, or I look at me, you look at you, and you say, sometimes you think, how could you possibly be a Christian and think, think, think like that or do what you've done or whatever? You know, I read a guy one time who was a godly man, I think you have to be safe for a little while to understand what I'm getting ready to tell you. He said, sometimes my mind is the dung heap of the devil. Did you ever pray, get on your knees, and you pray, and you feel like you want to talk to God, and all of a sudden some off-the-wall, almost blasphemous thought would come into your mind? Where in the world did that come from? Now, which is a good question, because you need to ask yourself sometimes about things. Where did that thought come from? Did that come from God? No, that didn't come from God. 
Did it come from the devil? Probably. Did it come from your own flesh? Probably. And uh, here he is saying, look, I want you to start with Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. Now, in verse number 11, or verse number 10, there's a little phrase there. If you have never marked it in your Bible, you might want to mark this little phrase. And ye are complete in him. You remember the couple Sundays ago when I told you the difference between complete and finished? Remember that? Well, this one is you are, you are complete in Christ. The idea is that you have everything you need in Christ. There's no lack. There's no want of anything if you have Christ. Now, I took Greek when I was in, uh, in college, or per- perhaps more correctly, Greek took me. And uh, it didn't really stick in me, so I don't go around spouting Greek. And uh, one guy said, I know a little Greek, and he runs a hot dog stand down the corner. But, uh, you know, if you have a Strong's Concordance, you can look up words, and it'll give you Greek words and Hebrew words and so forth. But the word that is translated complete here is the word pleroma. Pleroma. Uh, if you were a nautical person, not naughty, nautical, uh, in marine world, and, and that would be in the seaman's language, when a captain wanted his ship to be fitted out for sailing. Now, when a, and back in those days, you had to take everything you were going to need on that, on that trip with you. If you need extra rope, if you need extra tackling, if you need water, if you need food, and you need those things for sure, you had to prepare ahead and make sure you had enough of that. And uh, so the captain would say to his first mate, I want you to fit us for the journey. Get us rigged for the journey. Go get everything we need. And so the first mate, he would go and he'd get all the things that they thought they would need. And when he got everything, he would say to his captain, play Roma. We're complete. We have everything we need. We are rigged for the journey. Now, when you read this verse, and ye are complete in Christ, you are rigged for the journey. You say, yeah, but you don't know what I'm going through. But you don't understand. You're rigged for the journey. You're rigged for the sorrows of life. You're rigged for the sepulchers of life. You're just rigged for life. Ye are complete in him. Thank you, Lord. We have everything we need in Christ Jesus. You are are rigged for the journey. You start with Christ. But this verse goes on to say you actually stay with Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Walking is a pedestrian affair. Some of you got out of your cars, well, you walked to your car, and you walked from your car here today, and uh, you walk, and you walk because you're alive, obviously, and uh, you have some progression in your movement. You are going somewhere. Now, you can get there a lot faster if you are quicker, if you can run or fly. But if you walk and you're patient, you'll get there. Spurgeon said, even the snail got to the ark by patience. (laughs) So, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. In Isaiah, verse 40, the Bible says... uh, 
that we mount up with wings as eagles so that you can run and not be weary and walk and not faint. Fly, run, walk. And if we reverse that, you're going to walk, you're going to run, you're going to fly. And uh, isn't it good that sometimes the Lord lets you do a little running in the Christian faith? And sometimes, every now and then, he might even let you mount up his wings, his eagles, and fly a little bit. This one brethren, he got up, he said to his church, he said, men, this church has got to walk. And the deacon said, amen, brother, let her walk. He said, men, he's talking to men and women. He said, this church has got to run. He said, amen, preacher, let her run. He said, men, this church has got to fly. He said, amen, brother, let her fly. He said, now, men, it's going to cost money to let her fly. He said, amen, brother, let her walk. <laughs> I heard about the guy who got up and he said to his church, they were in some kind of a building program. He said, I've got good news and bad news. They said, well, what's the good news? He said, the good news is we've got the money. He said, well, what's the bad news? He said, the bad news is it's in your pocket. Aren't you glad the Lord doesn't make us as poor as we sometimes claim to be? Compared to most of the world, you're rich. I'm afraid that we might be on for some hard times. You know, when they talk about all this stuff, make all this stuff fair. You know, you cannot be fair rich. You can only be fair poor. You cannot be equal rich. If people who think their government's going to give us everything, they're not going to give everybody riches. They're going to give everybody poverty. That's the only way you can be equal. I ran across a thought, a scary thought. Basically, communism and socialism, there's hardly any difference. Except communism takes over by force. Socialism takes over by vote. Did you catch that? Yes. Communism is murder. Socialism is suicide. Look what people voted in. Within, today is just January the 31st. And with a stroke of a pen, and we're not through, unfortunately. Who knows what's going to happen in our country. But I do know this, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. We need God's people to get a hold of heaven and do the things that he said do. And when we do what he said do, he will do what he said he would do. I did take a little encouragement from this thought the other day. Mr. Biden has put in positions of power, people who were already in positions of power when Obama was the president. And I said to myself, well, we survived that. <laughs> Maybe we'll survive this. Now, we will survive, uh, you know, one way or the other, because uh, we are on the winning side. Amen. It's like when Paul was, when he was taken captive by his own people, and then he appealed to Caesar. And they were going to send him to Rome. And the Lord appeared to him. And uh, he said, Paul, you must bear witness at Rome. So he was going to go to Rome. 
But what the amazing thing about that was, after he told me he was going to bear witness in Rome, right after that, immediately, 40 men, 40 men, put themselves under a curse. They wouldn't eat or drink until they killed Paul. How would you like to have 40 people after you? One night I was preaching on that text of scripture and I got out to the car and said, imagine having 40 assassins after you. I got out to my car. Judy and I happened to be the last ones to leave the church that night. And when I got close to the car, there was a note on my windshield. I said, uh, 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 oh. And I took this off and it said, when you least expect it, I will be praying for you. I said, You know, on October, the last Sunday of October was Miss Judy and I's last Sunday as pastor up at Winkler Road Baptist Church. I never knew who wrote that note until that guy told me on that day that he wrote that note. And, uh, and I thank him for, for, for praying for me. And, but the point is, uh, then he got in a storm and uh, didn't look like he was going to make it there. But God said, you're going to go there. You're going to go to Rome. And in Acts 28, he got to Rome. Now, my point here is, we're going to be saved. God's saving us. We are going to heaven. There's nothing the devil can do about that. Once you're saved, you're saved. Remember, you're complete in him. You have everything. You are rigged for the journey. And so we are going to make it to the other side. But he said, now you start with Christ. You have received Christ Jesus, the Lord. You walk in him. And if you're going to walk in him, I was thinking about this morning, there's a difference between walking with him and walking in him. We are in him and we want to walk with him. And I told you what to go about reading in Luke 24 this morning. And those two on the road to Emmaus, they were walking with Jesus. And while they were walking with Jesus, he opened their understanding and he gave them an explanation of the scriptures. And we, sh- we too should ask the Lord to open our understanding and let him explain the scriptures unto us. Wouldn't you have liked to have heard that little Bible lesson? When he opened their understanding, he began to explain the Bible to them. They were walking with him. You walk in him. If you're going to walk in him, that means you're going to walk in truth. You're going to walk in light. You're going to walk honestly. You're going to walk as children of light. Micah 6, 8, what doth the Lord require of thee? He hath showed thee, O man, what is good. What doth the Lord require of thee? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. If you're going to walk with God, you're going to walk humbly. You don't want to be like the banny rooster who was crossing the bridge with the elephant. And the elephant and the banny rooster crossed the bridge, and the bridge shook. And when they got on the other side, the banny rooster said, look what we did. Well, we didn't do anything. The elephant did that. And I'm not equating God with the elephant, but uh, if anything happens in our lives, it's because the Lord has helped us. And we need the Ebenezer. Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. So you begin... This way, you start with Christ, you stay with Christ. And then he wants you to be built up. The Bible says in verse 7, he uses two words, rooted, built. Rooted and built up in him. Now, rooted is an agricultural word. I remember back years ago that I thought I could have been a farmer. And uh, I don't know now, you know, farmers are special people. And... uh, when a farmer gets up, and by the time uh, uh, he does his chores, most of us hadn't even got out of bed yet. And uh, th- we owe a debt to the farmer. And if you've never read Paul Harvey's uh, 
his rendition of The Farmer. You ought to pull that up and Google up Paul Harvey and The Farmer. And, uh, but he said, I want you to be rooted. Christians are not tumbleweeds. Uh, we're not potted. Uh, I remember one day I was over at um, a store in North Fort Myers, and they had a tree, an orange tree, that was in this big pot like this. The tree was about yay high and had oranges on it. And then I went to one of the men in my church whose name was Brother Moore. He's with the Lord now. And he had this, you know this expression, humongous? <laughs> it was this humongous orange tree. And I asked him, what is the difference between being potted and being planted? And he said, if you're just potted, you get root bound. You, you're in this pot and the root can only go round and round in that pot. But if you're planted, then this thing, it can grow that way down there and it can grow this way up here and bring forth a lot of fruit being rooted. And when you're rooted, you receive nourishment and you receive strength and you want a good root system in your life. And the Bible says in Psalm 90, they that be planted in the house of the Lord. I want to be and bear fruit in old age. He said, you be planted in the house of the Lord. Years ago, Miss Judy and I settled it. We weren't going to get up on Sunday, morning or night or Wednesday. We're we going to go to church. That was just established. By the way, we just got a picture. Our granddaughter, Audrey, made us another great-grandparent. This is number five. And uh, so uh, that was just extra. That, that's, that's, a little, that's a little freebie. So uh, then you're rooted, and then you're to be built up, and that's an architectural word. And you know, when God builds things, he builds them line upon line, line upon line, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. When God builds a place, he does it. You know, when you watch something get built, uh, all of a sudden you think, well, what are they doing? They're not doing anything. And then there's this little spurt. Say, oh, okay, I see what they're doing. And then they go a little longer, and uh, now they got the walls up. You say, what are they doing now? And you don't see them working on the wiring, on the plumbing, and the, all that other stuff in there until you get the whole thing done. But God is just, he is building us up. And then he says, I want you to be abounding in thanksgiving. Not just being thankful, but abounding in thanksgiving. Uh, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And we are to be thankful unto him and bless his name. Uh, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Uh, he is saying to us, I want you to begin here, start with Christ, stay with Christ, and then you get built up and uh, you get rooted, you get grounded, and you abound with thanksgiving. There's an interesting passage in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 47, when Ezekiel said, I saw this uh, at the house of God, and there was this water that came out from the porch. And he said, this water, as I was measuring it, he said, first of all, the water came up to the ankles. And then he measured it, and the water came up to the knees. And he kept measuring, and then he said, the water came up to the loins. And then, then he said, it was water to swim in. Now, you don't swim in ankle deep or even in knee deep maybe in loin deep, but when it's a lot of water, and that's the idea here, you are abounding with thanksgiving.
In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now, in my mind right now, I'm thinking, what am I going to do right now? I'm going to stop because my alarm just went off a while ago, so I, I got a minute or so. And um, I could stop and invite you to come back next week, and I might finish it. Or you don't have to come back next week, and, or I don't have to come back next week. <laughs> or we both could come back next week. Or the Lord would come, and it wouldn't matter. You all, you listen so well. God bless you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time together. And I pray that you would bless and meet every need. And Lord, if we get an opportunity to, to finish this little thought here in this passage, that it would be an encouragement to us and a help and a strength to us. Bless in the service to follow. Anoint Pastor Bill. And... Uh, Anoint by the gym as he leads the music and the people who play the instruments and the special music. May it be a wonderful day at Gospel Baptist Church. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239 947 one two eight five. Thank you and God bless.